0: Welcome to the Clan Mackenzie podcast. Welcome again to the Clan Mackenzie Podcast. This week we are joined by Rosemary Mackenzie, and she joins us all the way from down under Australia. And the fascinating thing with Rosemary is she is the new editor of the Clan Mackenzie Society of Scotland in the UK's annual magazine. So we look forward to getting to know Rosemary. And also, we do have a special announcement with regards to some Clan Mackenzie Podcast merchandise. It's not going to be available. Maybe you've seen some of them uh, advertised on Instagram, on Facebook. We hope you check it out, tpublic.com. That's where you can find all the uh, latest uh, designs and shirts and hoodies and stickers and cups and anything you can think of. Mackenzie, certainly you want to represent your clan. We hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for the end of the podcast where we'll announce who our next guest is on next Mackenzie Monday. Enjoy this interview. Rosemary McKenzie from Down Under. Welcome to the Clan McKenzie podcast. This week we're joined by Rosemary McKenzie all the way from Australia. Welcome to the show, Rosemary.
1: Thank you, Jared. It's uh, most interesting to be up so early in the morning.
0: (laughs) It's not terribly early yet, is it?
1: No, not really. The sun is up, but... Yes, for a Saturday morning it's a little early for me.
0: Yeah, I'm way back in the past here on Friday here in the United States. <laughs> so it's it's awesome to have you. And the reason we're having you with this episode is because you've taken on the call that was put out last year in the Clan Mackenzie Society of Scotland in the UK's magazine. They put out a, a note at the very beginning of the magazine underneath the editor's welcome. They said they're looking for a new editor and you answered the call. How'd that that happen?
1: Um, Well, I guess it's a little bit in my um, inability to say no and volunteer for things, but I have had an interest in publishing and I do run my own publishing business as a business. But um, yeah, compiling newsletters and putting together magazines has always been a you know, great interest to me and uh, just the formatting and making um, things, you know, easy to read and easy to follow. But yes, I do enjoy doing that sort of work. Um, so when the call went out for an editor, um, it's more a compiler. Um, I thought it would be interesting to see how it would work from the other side of the world
0: that's exciting I can I can understand the uh, feeling of of being far separate from the society as well uh, being that you're in Australia and then talking about dealing with the Scottish and the UK society but uh, it's pretty cool that you're a part of it and it's fun to be able to chat with people from around the world uh, and actually have a hand in in helping the society make progress and it's a really important role actually producing that magazine because we get all kinds of stuff that helps us as far as letters from the different societies around the world. Oh. And you're presenting and, and putting forward what the interests are of the society on things that are gonna draw interest of members from around the world. So what has been some of the uh, exciting parts you might say or the things you really enjoyed so far about compiling this magazine?
1: Um, Mainly the contributions from the other societies or the other groups around the world, you know, from Germany, from New Zealand, um, France and um, Canada and the US as well, is just how different societies in different countries um, bring their members together and provide events and contacts and um, information about the Mackenzie's generally um, and Scotland and our heritage. Um, Unfortunately since I did take on the um, uh, compiling of the magazine um, I struck a health issue but now that's all dealt with and everything so unfortunately it feels a bit embarrassing having volunteered for Um, doing the magazine to also have my first edition being rather late. (laughs) But uh, um, there is a lot of wonderful information that uh, the different groups have sent me that we will be putting into the magazine and hopefully it will be out soon. Um, But, yeah, and it is really just how different organisations and particularly, we're facing exactly the same challenges as a lot of family history and, um, you know, named heritage societies and things like that are discovering at the moment. And in some ways, for some societies, COVID has either been the make or break because they've definitely gone either all electronic to keep us in contact with people, or they've not been able to you know, master the communication technology and some of the organizations, unfortunately, have had to close. Um, But it's and which is great because, you know, I'm talking to you on Friday night somewhere off in the middle of the US, (laughs) but, uh, you know, it has been really good. And I love traveling as well. So the last uh, international clan gathering that we had in Strathpur in 2015. Um I just love Scotland and visiting Scotland. I've been a number of times and just spending time talking about our favorite topic with people who don't glaze over when you talk to them about it. <laughs> it's just wonderful.
0: That is awesome. Yeah, it's the thing, it's uh finding that community of people with the same interests sometimes is a hard thing to do, but that's one of the benefits of being a part of the society. So that's why we Absolutely. encourage people to look up and and potentially, maybe you've been thinking about signing up for it for various reasons. Maybe you want to know a bit about your ancestry. Maybe you want to just be a part of a group. That's further reasons why uh, joining this society is a, an awesome thing to do. And certainly, we'd love to have you as a part of it. So I might just ask this, too. Um, kind of looking through the old magazines, is there anything that we can expect to be, maybe be a little bit different with this uh, next step, next issue?
1: Um, I. I wasn't looking to rock the boat, Um, I was sort of going to, I I was aiming to keep it uh, very similar to the style and the communications that have been done in the past. Um, And then maybe as it progresses, uh, uh, you know, under a new compiler, um, things may change a little organically, Um, because it relies so heavily on contributions from members and from member organisations, you know, there's always this call for articles and items, um, book reviews and events that are happening in different parts around the world and also in Scotland, you know, because as much as um, the UK and Scotland like to hear about things that are happening around the world. we also like to hear about what's happening in Scotland and the UK in relation to events and activities. And a lot of them can inspire um, us in ways to communicate with our members as well and provide things, items of interest that, for them. Um, for example, we started a Highlanders happy hour, which was a monthly group.
0: Wait a minute, wait a minute. Who, who's that? Who did this?
1: The Australian Clan Mackenzie.
0: Okay, perfect. Okay.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm a member of the Clan Mackenzie here in Australia as well, and on the committee with them as well. And we started a Highlanders happy hour to yeah, um, bring together each month. Um, our members, and it's on at 4.30 in the afternoon on a Friday afternoon, first Friday of each month. And anybody from anywhere is welcome to join us. You bring your favourite tipple and you um, join in the conversation and, you know, it's really just drinks and nibblies and a social... Um, So explain to my American
0: audience, what are nibblies?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, little finger food stuff, if you want to bring finger food stuff. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Perfect.
1: Yeah. So usually you come along with your glass of wine or your um, dram of Scotch, you know, um, and, you know, someone may actually present something for 10 minutes or so, just as a bit of a, a structure, a bit of information. We've had presentations from people about their interest in the Mackenzie clan um, last one uh, that we had we were short on somebody for 10 minutes so I actually did a 10 minute presentation of the the lighthouses that I visited in Scotland from Ullapool round to um John O'Groats uh, awesome. when I was there last in Scotland so it was a bit of a touristy thing but um, you know, just something that starts the conversation and then, you know, we sort of stay around for about an hour, you know, a bit over an hour. Um, We've had people from the UK, Rod um, was there um, and then we've had a number of, usually our friends from New Zealand um, come along as well. Last time we also had someone um, from San Francisco. So, you know, our US members but the the notification goes up on our website on our facebook page sorry each month and you're free to join and contact our secretary to um get the zoom link to come and join
0: yeah i might have Um, to check that out coming for a happy hour with australia society of the Mackenzies. sounds like a good time
1: yes yes though i think it's rather a ghastly hour for you in the u.s but (laughs) (laughs) probably you're more than welcome we we do not judge if people turn up in their pjs yes
0: cool uh, so tell me real fast so you gotta people can't hear can't see this i can see this Uh, you got a beautiful landscape behind you of a a location there in australia where where is this exactly (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. Um, That is actually Canberra, Canberra is the capital of Australia, it's um, as the crow flies between Sydney and Melbourne it's about halfway between Sydney and Melbourne, and it is you know called the bush capital as you can see probably from the picture, Um, the over my right shoulder there is actually Parliament House, so I'm probably describing something to you that your viewers cannot see, or listeners cannot
0: see.
1: Yes, and it's probably a sunrise picture, which probably looks like it does down on the lake at the moment. So It's very
0: beautiful. But,
1: yeah, so I've been here for about 20 years, but I grew up in Warburton in Victoria, um, up in the hills east of Melbourne, um, and grew up there and then lived in outback New South Wales for some time. Um, I have two grown children. They're in their 30s. Um, and Craig and Angela uh, are their names, and they're living in New South Wales at the moment. So
0: that's really cool, you know. And I guess something else I should ask though is, as you, you explain this and talk about this, Australia and, and uh, America and all these different places, they've always got a few people that become interested in their history. And there's Mackenzies all over the place. What drew you as a Mackenzie to even want to be a part of a society, let alone two societies?
1: Um, I've always been interested in family history. When I was a teenager, I started looking into family history and um, researching my own family history. Um, Mackenzie is actually my grandmother's maiden name. Um, And what probably drew me to Scotland and maybe the Scottish interest um, is their sense of identity you know, you you always recognise a Scottish person and their love of their heritage. Um, Yeah, I mean, apart from all the jokes about bagpipes and, you know, men wearing skirts, um, the Scots are very proud of their heritage. And my grandmother was always proud of her heritage as well um, it's my mother's mother and um, so so when I divorced I didn't want to go back to my maiden name and I didn't want to stay um, my married name so I went across the top of the family tree and picked off Mackenzie so cool. <laughs> and I do love traveling around Scotland and it it just really you know I just love the area and I love the country and I love the, you know, the people that are there. So that sort of drew me to Scotland and family in Scotland. My father's side also goes back to Scotland in Edinburgh. Um, my mother's side, Mackenzie's, are in Ullapool in Scotland. So that's where they're from on the north west coast. Um, But I've I've been to Germany because I have ancestry in Germany as well and um, in England and down in Cornwall. Cornwall is another place that is, you know, really speaks to me when I visited there. Um, Most of my dad's side is from Cornwall, tin miners in Cornwall and going back to Ireland. But um, Scotland really just sang. So... (laughs) Um, I really loved Scotland and I think it's also the sense of identity that they have and people who belong to the clan are very you know very happy to belong to the clan and they're very proud to belong to the clan.
0: Yeah that's that's 100% true and that's what I think so so cool about like you said the covid really disrupted so many things but it's allowed us to be able to interact on a more worldwide scale than probably had happened before um, and so now we have this opportunity like you and me are chatting this probably wouldn't have happened no. had that had that pandemic affected kind of the world and how we do things so our no. things right now oh go ahead i'm sorry
1: yeah, oh no, I was just gonna say, and if it did happen, it probably would have taken a lot more time and effort to organize it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is this is probably where we go anyways in the future, but it's kind of sped it up a little bit. How's the how's COVID right now in Australia? How's the, in your part of Australia, how is uh, the pandemic or epidemic, whatever it is at this epidemic, point?
1: Epidemic, yes. Um, we, you know, I hate to use the word lucky, Um, But we have not been as devastated or as affected as a lot of other countries, which has been a good thing, of course, Um, and we have been, you know, fairly isolated. And I think part of that is also the distance, um, because, of course, when the borders closed, travel was not, you know, and even within Australia, the borders closing as well. Um, it has kind of stopped stopped the spread. Um, We are experiencing a number of cases now and, you know, some of them are peaking um, in different areas, but nowhere near as much as the US or England or Europe or other countries where... You know the, you know, whatever the pandemic terms are. You know pandemics, epidemics, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple of friends, and I've known a couple of people who have experienced COVID. You know their different experiences, my daughter included, um, and she works in the public service. And I, you know, the, but um, because of the immunisation regime and the vaccination regime the effect is a lot less um, severe yeah. than a lot of other places that have experienced a lot worse Yeah, we're
0: pretty lucky. We're pretty lucky with, with where it is at this point compared to where it was back in 2020 when it first started, for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: It settled down. But,
1: but we had to change um, everything in relation to the family history ACT Heraldry and Genealogy Society of Canberra. I'm president of the society here. And as soon as we went into COVID lockdown and everything, of course, our whole library shut down. Um, Visitors, members couldn't come and do research and things like that. And we had to change the whole way that we interacted with our thousand or so members. Um, But and that actually, and out of that actually came what we call our engagement committee and everything went to Zoom. All of a sudden we became Zoom experts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Zoom, you know, are very efficient at communicating via Zoom because, of course, the demographic of our society was the older at-risk um, membership as well. So you know, you couldn't kind of just brazen it through. You you had to respect um, those issues and those um, compromises. Um, and it led to a lot of our society members becoming very technologically in, enabled. Yeah. I mean, there was a number that, you know, unfortunately, you know, were not able to communicate that way but it has kept the interest in our society going. And now that things are loosening up and, you know, coming back to semi-normal, as normal as what they can be, um, there's the big encouragement now to bring everybody back to the library and meeting face-to-face. But again, we've ended up with a lot of our special interest groups and software user groups, the subgroups of our society, who continue to meet via zoom because it's just so easy
0: it's convenient i mean get in the car and drive in at least in the United states right now gas prices are ridiculous so if you have the option to just flip on a computer screen and do what you could do in person then yeah i mean how much sense does that make makes absolutely a a great decision financially for everybody speaking And, and you don't have to worry about getting covid along the way
1: yeah, well, that's true. And and in some ways it's actually broadened our reach as well because when we began meeting via via Zoom, a lot of our more distant members or members who'd been members of our society and retired and moved to Queensland or Victoria or moved away were able to, again, participate with our events and with our meetings and with you know, um, other activities that they've missed out on because they couldn't attend in person. So swings and roundabouts.
0: Yeah, that's true. So tell me a little bit about the uh, society there in Australia. What are the what are the Highland games normally like in Australia? Have you been a part of those things with the society and what you guys do over there?
1: Um not as a society ourselves, we don't actually organize Highland games ourselves, okay. but we have a large collection of Scottish, different Scottish interest groups, particularly up and down the East Coast, you know, Queensland through to Victoria. And we kind of piggyback on those events as well. We have a clan tent that um, we go to different events. Um, there's the Ringwood Highland Games, there's the Port Arlington Highland Games, there's the Celtic Highland Games and Bundanoon, which is our very big weekend that we have in April each year. I mean, I say we, the royal we. um, It's organised by Bundanoon and each for a weekend each year, they turn it into Scotland. So there's a huge collection of, and it's more a collection of different groups that come along and celebrate all things Scottish. Um, For our um, society, we're piggybacking on the Canberra Highland Games. They run an annual event um, here in Canberra um, and it's organised by the Burns Club here in Canberra. And so this year, again, we're attempting, you know, COVID disrupted a lot of things, Um, but this year we're coordinating our national gathering, the Clan Mackenzie Australian National Gathering with the Burns Club Highland Games here in Canberra. So we're having a, you know, just a day that we get together, meet our members, um, and also then just utilize the um, event that is already in progress. Um, So we participate in the the march, in the parade, and, you know, we have a, a tent there. Along with all the other clans as well. So, as an organisation, we don't organise Highland games, but we participate in a lot of other activities that are Highland oriented or Celtic oriented in Australia.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It's fascinating to hear how different societies do that type of stuff. What is the what's the membership look like? Um, is it? Is
1: um, we've got a hundred or so members. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of those are. Um, couple memberships. so um, yeah, I generally email out about to a hundred email addresses each each newsletter um, and post out about 30. Um, some people still like to receive paper copies. Um, but yeah, the the group is small, but there's a lot of different um, Highland and Celtic, organizations in australia um they it is quite popular and also you know they love their heritage
0: that's fantastic that's what I, that's the that's the goal of the of the podcast is to some extent is to reach out to um a lot of younger people that do have a lot of interest that are not really sure kind of what they want to do with regards to to looking into it sometimes um, societies come across as maybe like an old person's club i think sometimes that's not the case but sometimes yeah. I think that's the perspective or the thought of some people so we're trying to help help see that, that there's a need there's always a need for for newer, younger members to get involved and help promote mm. those celtic traditions and those their heritage and be proud of it because so many people yes. are people love to be a part of this stuff
1: and that's the challenge that's facing a lot of Um, societies, and I think it's always been a challenge anyway. I mean, we have that difficulty with our family history group here in Australia, um, in Canberra, um, and a lot of our genealogical societies uh, are struggling, and the same perceptions that you have already mentioned about, you know, being an age group or an age population, but I mean, that's also the demographic of the people who have time to do these things Um, you know the younger people that we are wanting to attract um, have activities to do and they have things to do and I know even a lot of the older group um, we've got school holidays on at the moment and so a lot of people are doing grandparent duty Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a commitment that they have which means that they can't participate in the events and things like that and the same thing with families with young children every weekend a sport weekend you know there's and a lot of the activities for societies and for volunteers within those societies um, happen evenings or weekends if you want to avoid people the time when people are working full-time or if they do have time and they're retired, that of course you know, precludes the younger generation. So um, we've been battling with that for a long time, um, or not battling so much, but how do we make it available and interesting for a younger demographic? Um, and nobody has the answer for that. Yeah. Really. I, I, think, um, I think it's, it's yeah, just thanks. getting visibility um, at different functions. And particularly with the Highland games, that's the things that people like to come along and watch and participate and or participate in. Um, but then again, the people of the younger generation, so-called, if they're interested, they'll make time. Yeah. As well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's the advice I think we get out of this is for the older folks that are, are watching their grandkids. Tell the parents they have to take them. You're busy with Highland stuff and the McKenzie Society. Go find your own thing to do. Grandpa's got to get with the society and promote Scottish heritage. I think that's the good advice we're going to take away from this discussion today.
1: Absolutely, and and the thing is too, and unfortunately for my children, they're not interested in family history at all because they were probably carted around too many cemeteries as children. Mm-hmm. Um, but. <laughs> Um, I mean, they're interested in the results, you know, yeah. in the stories and the pictures and where they came from and stuff like that. But as to the research and everything, they're just not interested at all, you know, because they go, oh, that's mom's thing.
0: <laughs> right. That's, that's funny how that works, isn't it? Sometimes it's been my experience as well. Um, people don't care so much till they have a family. And then when they yeah, kids, you start thinking like, man, you know, maybe I should look into this thing that mom's been mm for a while and find out something
1: and that's part of the interest in your heritage you know there's the old platitudes about you know if you know where you come from you know where you're going and all that sort of a thing and and like you say and of course who do you think you are has been um, a wonderful tv series tv program um, for getting people interested in who their ancestors were and which countries made up their ancestors because Um, particularly if you know all my ancestors came out in the early 1800s out to Australia so I've got a long history in Australia before I even start going overseas Um, and a lot of people are in the same situation whereas their immediate ancestors are local you know they're in the US or they're in you know whatever but you know, if you if you're Caucasian, um, you generally came from somewhere. You know, and a lot of people don't necessarily know where that is. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, unless your grandparents spoke about the, you know, where they came from and which areas they came from, but and that's that's the interest. So. And, of course, Ancestry's done a wonderful job um, promoting DNA kits. Yeah. You know, the, the advertising. Is that um, big
0: over there in Australia too?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And in some respects, that has helped um, getting the younger generation back to our discussion earlier about the younger generation um, because they're interested in you know, oh, this is a cute, interesting thing that we want to have a go at, Um, register, see where I come from and, you know, what areas in the world make up my heritage, according to my DNA. Um, And we've, we've often had a lot of um, crossover with the family history groups and the, you know, because of these TV programs. So that's actually fed into our interests of you know, we are more than ourselves, you know, there's more things that make us up than just ourselves and our immediate family. Yeah. That was an excellent point. Yeah. And some of it has generated into more interest with researching the paper, you know, to support what they've found um, with their DNA. yeah, sometimes it hasn't but at least it's it's broadened people's horizons into something outside of themselves
0: yeah and now probably more so than ever again uh, with just technology it's so much easier to do that research i know um, unless your family kept kept newspapers and things like that it'd be so hard to go back and find all that stuff outside of stories but now we've got the internet we've got ancestry where that stuff's producing log in there and somebody's already got a picture or a, or a connection that's already pre-done for your family tree or whatever so <laughs> I mean,
1: there's... oh absolutely and it is just so different from when I started doing family tree research you know when I was a teenager and learning to drive my father actually took me on my first research trip hmm. um we drove up to Shepparton which is where a lot of his family was from and we physically went and visited each of the family members to talk to them about their family and the, you know where they got married, how many kids they had and all those sorts of things. And you did it in person or you did it via letter. And if you contacted someone in the US or in the UK, um, you would send a letter inquiry with two international replay reply, reply paid coupons so that you would be they would be able to post a letter back to you um, yeah and the whole world has changed even just in the in the time that I've been researching you know the internet explosion the number of things that are online but one of the caveats for researching family history is that it is not all online yeah. You know, not not everything is online. You know, there's still resources and a lot of libraries and genealogical societies and family history societies have got brilliant resources that are never going to be online because they don't have the capacity to digitise or the records are not that popular, but it might be your ancestor or your... Family group, yeah. And if nothing else, there's a whole raft of social history that um, you know complements your family story, you know. And going back a hundred years, you know, sometimes I don't know how people survived. You know, um, a trip from London to Australia took three months in a leaky boat. Um, <laughs> You know, how you would sit on a boat, you know, in cramped quarters and close confines, and that's if you came as a free settler. Yeah,
0: I you know, be, if yeah. you
1: came as a convict, it was even worse. Um, and now we complain about a 24 hour flight time and you know, <laughs> visits in a you know, spending time in airports between you know, Sydney and and london you know and you kind of go oh when's this trip gonna be over you know yeah spare a thought for our ancestors who chose in a lot of cases to actually make that trip and a round trip for a letter for them for a good correspondent would be six months six months is a huge chunk of your life
0: so you've hit the nail on the head. It's a it's a patience thing. We've we've lost the ability to be patient. That's what this is all about. <laughs> we want we want to know our research right now. We don't want to go visit our family. Tell us these okay. stories. Just put it on a paper that's on the internet that I can go look at. It's funny as you're telling me this story. I was doing some uh, local research on my family in the area that I'm from, and sure enough, none of the newspapers are digitized. So I actually oh. have a library. And get on the little micro, I think they call it a micro film. Yeah. And go through it. And I had to guess that around the year, and it was about 1934. Mm. And I'm going through all these headlines. And sure enough, there it was. I finally found it. This one piece of family history I've heard so many stories about. But it was true. And here is all the details about it that no family member that's still alive today could tell me. So it was yeah. so worth it was so worth the effort, but mm. it wasn't available online it's still not exactly
1: yes and that was one of the failings for the first lot of um who do you think you are um tv episodes is that a lot of people um loved it that you could walk into a research facility or something and you would have your family history handed to you yeah. um on a piece of paper yeah. um and a number of people did come into our library and sort of said well haven't you got the information here <laughs> and you kind of go no it's a little bit longer than that
0: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> but yeah no and they have modified their presentation since then to to make you understand that it's not all prepared for you but um to put some work
0: into it, come on,
1: you do, you do, and and again, that comes back to the demographic of you know parents with young children and when they're able to have that time to actually do that because it isn't as immediate as what a lot of things are now, yeah. So, so
0: that's pretty cool. This has been a fun discussion, um, getting into ancestry and things like that with you, and I know that's a big part of your life. Um, we're glad to have you as the editor of our magazine. I you understand you're the editor of the magazine there in Australia as well.
1: Uh, yeah, the newsletter that we we publish each uh, quarter. Each so quarter. it's a quarterly newsletter. And actually, um, for my sins, I'm also the editor of the quarterly journal that we have for our family history, ACT Society, Heraldry and Genealogy Society of Canberra. So um, every quarter is quite busy me
0: i was gonna say you've got your hands on a lot of different things i'm glad you're able to find time for the podcast today and uh, i'd like to get together again once the magazine comes out and we sure. can kind of talk about kind of about some of the stuff that was in there but again um rosemary appreciate you being on today and we wish you the best and can't wait to see it give us a give us a, a projected uh, date of the magazine coming out
1: um let's say a month. <laughs> <laughs> it will be in your inboxes by the end of July. There you oh, go. I'm publicly committed to it. Whoa,
0: this is uh groundbreaking stuff.
1: Can't look at it. <laughs> you heard it here first and probably first. last.
0: <laughs> Breaking news, yeah. So that's awesome. I'm glad I know yeah. that you have had some health stuff. Glad that you're seemingly doing uh better. With that, oh, a lot better,
1: thank you. Yes, I know
0: there's all kinds of obstacles that come in, particularly taking over a different job on top of having that come apart. Yeah, oh, you.
1: life interferes, but you know, and it's wonderful that we have a, a a membership who is so understanding of that. In some days, you know, if I was in a paid job, I'd be gone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, not with the Clan Mackenzie Society of Scotland in the UK, we're glad to have you with us. So, thank you very much. Yep. And again, thanks again for the podcast, and we will chat again soon.
1: No worries, and it's been lovely chatting with you and to everybody who's, who's listened through to this far.
0: All right. <laughs> thanks again for listening to the podcast this week. Enjoyed having Rosemary McKenzie with us, and certainly we're glad to have her as the editor of the Clan Mackenzie Society of Scotland in the UK's annual magazine. And We look forward to the 2022 edition coming out real soon by the end of July. Next week, we invite you back. Andrew McKenzie is going to be with us. We've had Andrew on a number of times, uh, but he's a great historian. and He truly loves the clan. and he's going to be talking about the book that he's published, May We Be Britons. We're going to learn about the contents, but we're also going to learn in depth why it was that he decided to write it, and what are the differences between this and other McKenzie histories you might come across. Super enjoyable discussion that we had. And you can look forward to that next week, McKenzie Monday. Also, don't forget about tpublic.com with our new merchandise. Check out the shirts. Maybe you've got the Highland Games coming up. Maybe you just want to represent the Clan Mackenzie in your city, your town, or even your country. They are now available. Multiple colors, multiple products, anything you want. And more are coming out real soon. tpublic.com. Look up the Clan Mackenzie podcast. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Reach out to me. If there's something you want to hear about, you want to know more about the McKenzie's, maybe there's somebody you want to hear interviewed, reach out to me let me know. We've got some great stuff coming soon, including something that's been asked about multiple times. They want to know about the SEPs. And we, were get, we are getting to it. It's coming soon. Wait for it. See you next week. Andrew McKenzie will be with us. See you then. The podcast is produced by Jared Smart and in association with the Clan Mackenzie Society of Scotland and the UK.